Night Talk with Oliver Dixon. 23 minutes after 10 o'clock, you're listening to Night Talk, the Monday edition of Night Talk. My name is Oliver Dixon. Thank you so much for your time this evening. We're talking about the Electoral Amendment Act constitutional challenge judgments that have been handed down by the Constitutional Court today. Joining me to have this conversation is Bulelani Mkotliswa, who is the Executive Director for New Nation Movement, as well as Gogolondiwe Mtambo, who is the Programs Manager at Ravonia Circle. Bulelani, I'll start with you here. You heard me go on for 10 minutes a mouthful about what the contents of the judgment were, and I'm pretty sure you and your legal teams are still studying it to really make sense of it. But of course, uh, it, it, it brings a finality, for the most part, to a process that started before COVID. And in 2020, we had the judgment. You must be breathing one hell of a sigh of relief today. Well, thank you so much, Oliver, for having us. Um, You know, when I was listening to you just reading and going through that order, I was feeling that there was no need for me to be here because you're doing such a great job. Uh, But in terms of um, us saying a, a... you know, relief. I think uh, for us, we we believe that a lot still has to happen. Um, one, when we took this matter to the Constitutional Court, and even way before when we were engaging with the IEC from 2013, other people do not even know that we have been engaging for wow, that's a long as time far ago. back as that time. Yes, because we have we thought that this was an area that needed to be engaged without using the taxpayers' money. But uh, fast forward to now, uh, the judgment that was handed down by the Constitutional Court was quite clearly and beautifully written by Justice Madlanga uh, and also Justice uh, Jafta. Uh, I mean, all the parliament needed to do was just to just put yeah. that thing, you know, in place as it was uh, written there. But they just turned around and they turned the whole thing you know, and it made even a bad situation worse. Mm. Uh, and I, you know, I mean, I remember there were m- many people who kept asking us that, what if the, this court case that you guys are pursuing uh, is going to give us something worse? Because I think there are people who understood that even if the constitutional court were to rule in our favor, uh, at the end of the day, it's parliament that will have the final say in terms yeah. of how the act and how the law is going to look like. And that is exactly what has happened. So we really appreciate the the, the ICA and the authors of this world and the, the street leadership of Michael Louis, uh, you know, challenging at least the aspect of the independent candidates uh, and even also the Ravonia cycle for coming in as amicus there, you know, to put in their weight. Uh, but, but, but for us today, um, the judgment, uh, I think for me or for us as a new nation movement, uh, the area that we really feel that has been a major uh, uh, battle that has been won is the issue of the signatures. Yeah. Uh, of not having to uh, depend on the percentage. You know, imagine Gauteng, uh, you know, as, as much as it's small in terms of the land mass, but it has the biggest number, you know, of, 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 uh, of the electorate uh, yeah. there. So, so we, we really feel that this was a major victory for the ordinary citizens who actually want to go and make a contribution, you know, in, yeah. you know, uh, in the country. Um, uh, however, you know, everything else, uh, really, I think for me, I was hoping that uh, the judgment was going to say 
uh, because even the political parties that are represented in parliament currently, we were able to go in there using the 2019 rules, you know, uh, that is the, uh, the of entry, the rules of entry, which was as long as you are registered political party, which required the thousand signatures anyway, uh, then all you needed to do was to be able to raise the 45,000 rand if you wanted to contest the provincial election and yeah. then if you wanted to contest national, the 200,000. But now already what IEC has done uh, is that, you know, the, the amounts that they are actually bending about there was to say you need about 710,000 rand to contest national mm. uh, and then about 300,000 mm. to contest provincial. You know, so already uh, i mean there are many political parties that had wanted to contest in 2019 that we were engaging with uh, and they were unable to because of to them the financial constraints of 45,000 and 200,000 mm. so now it's even worse you know so we were hoping that uh, uh, you know those rules of entry were going to remain the same at least for uh, 2024 elections so yeah. uh, we are not we are, we know that the battle, uh, we still have to continue to fight this battle. So the other part of the of the case, which I, which was the most contentious part, I would say, was around the recalculation of seat allocation. Should there be a vacancy, right? And vacancies in parliament happen all the time. Either somebody resigns or somebody passes away or becomes incapacitated. Typically what happens is, is that when a vacancy happens from one political party, that particular political party has the prerogative to replace that particular person with whoever was next down the list that they had initially submitted to the IEC or that they had resubmitted to the IEC, whatever the case may be. So it's not a loss for the political party itself. It's just the loss of the one person. The the party structure just replaces that person. But now that they are independent candidates, if an independent candidate vacates, they are not part of a political structure where they will be replaced. And it's not like one independent candidate will replace another. That just doesn't make sense, right? And so what it means is that Parliament will have to say, look, one seat is vacant. We need to decide who takes the seat and the proportionality is recalculated once again. And whoever wins that calculation, whichever party is at the top of that calculation, gets the seat, right? And Justice Duran there said that she agrees with the One Movement South Africa uh, contestation, that this is a favorable treatment of large political parties and it constituted a prima facie limitation of the rights of voters, independent candidates, and small political parties under Section 19 of the Constitution. When she said this, she was con- uh, concurred by Justa- uh, Justice Rogers. What are your thoughts on this, uh, Bulelani? Well, uh, Oliver, Justice Theron is one of the the jurists that I really honor and respect. Um, but on this particular one, I think she's getting it wrong because remember, even our own judgment, there there, there were two sections that were fundamental in in in, in the constitutional court reaching their their, their 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 order. It was section eighteen and section nineteen. Section eighteen talks about the freedom of association. And the freedom of association has two elements to it. It has the negative and the positive. The negative is when a person, a citizen, chooses to disassociate. uh, And that's where the independent candidate comes in. So um, when a person has made that choice to run as an independent, when when that becomes vacant, 
it I mean you are no longer there you know yeah. so, so 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 for me uh, even if this thing may look as if it's it's unfair the question is you had chosen to go eternal mm. so should you die or should you resign for some uh, reason or whatever the yes should you resign whatever is for whatever reason you lose that seat you know so 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 for me i i i i'm not sure so you don't think it's an unfairness exist. that if an independent candidate uh vacates a seat that automatically it is reallocated to a political party and would most likely be a large political party given how these things are calculated that aspect is unfair because at least for me the question should have been to say which constituency voted for this independent candidate and in a way there should be a way we should find a mechanism of ensuring that that seat does go back mm-hmm. to the very people that had actually cast their votes for that particular independent candidate that means running by elections for <laughs> for national assembly seats is that do we do that with local government Look, it's 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 a tricky one. <laughs> That's effectively what it then comes I'm down not... to, right? <laughs> uh, but... I, I'm happy that I'm not the one who has to make a, a, a decision on that. In fact, for for us as the New Nation movement, that's why we're not even part of this process because uh, focusing on the independent candidates, we had felt that one, Pat uh, uh, Lender, for example, was the one who was literally drafting this uh, amended uh, law and now Badlander was the one who was going to defend but you know most of those uh, the, the respondents so and they had for they had focused a lot on the independent candidates our sense was even the order that came out in 2020 it was co- um, forcing parliament to focus not just on the independent candidates, but also on the constituencies yeah. that were supposed to have equal standing as political parties without being political parties. And for us, that is where our focus is on. Even when you go back to the constitutional court, we will be focusing on that aspect yeah. of the judgment because it deals one with this issue of the legitimacy of representation and that even the accountability issues, meaning that even when there is an issue with the person that has been sent to parliament, if there are issues with that person, the the constituencies still have other people that are lined up to actually replace that one. Yeah. Uh, Without having to run a by-election. Yeah, I want to bring you in here. Big victory for Ravonia Circle in, in, in court. You guys went there with one goal in mind, and that was to make it as easy for independent candidates to uh, contest for elections. And therefore, uh, Ravonia Circle contested in its amicus papers to help the court come to a decision that a 15% quota uh, is incredibly high. And I remember reading from the Ravonia Circle papers, you guys explained in practical terms what the difference is between having to get 1,000 signatures versus if we were to go on 15% of 44,000, which is the calculation the IEC typically uses, having to get yeah. nearly 7,000 signatures, right? Because that's ultimately what it comes down to. It's a big difference yeah. of 5,000. How Can you crystallize for us, paint us the picture, how big of a difference is the difference between 1,000 signatures and 6,000 signatures from a time, resource, and investment perspective? Mm. 
Um, thank you so much, Oliver, for having us tonight. Um, I, so look, I think for for us the the difference is is major, right? So if you if we are looking at the 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 difference between a thousand signatures and the fifteen percent, and as you've rightly put it, the the with the with the typical ratios that the IC is using, and um, it is I mean, obviously just logically, it is easier for someone. Uh, who is a community organizer in a particular region or a leader in a particular region, it is easier for them to get a thousand signatures. The conversation then becomes about uh, does this then signify seriousness and that and that kind of question. Um, and we think that for us the thousand signatures does signify does signify seriousness, right? Uh, we also think that like limiting or, or Increasing the barrier entry is irrational and quite arbitrary, right? Uh, whereas you don't necessarily know what the person can look like post the thousand signatures. You don't know what kind of, um, you know, election campaign or machinery they'll be able to run post the thousand signatures, right? <laughs> Ooh, Lono, Lono, I'm going to pause you there because your line is is, is cutting really badly. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to put you back to my producer and see if we can get you on a better line um, okay. uh, so we can continue this conversation. Uh, Ulenani, do you want to comment on that? The the uh, Why the difference between 6,000 and 1,000 automatically becomes an excessive barrier to entry? I, I, you know, justice. Uh, the chief justice says, guys, we're asking you to do the thing you're going to do anyway. We're just asking you to do it earlier to demonstrate seriousness so that we can know who the real contenders are from the unserious contenders. Surely that makes sense to some extent. Well, not at all, uh, Oliver. I think the, um, I mean, I was listening to, to, to Zaki Ahmad, I think, earlier this, um, this afternoon after the judgment. Um, and he was just painting a very clear picture that he has been able to get about 13,000 uh, signatures. But for him to get to that 13,000, they literally needed to have spoken to at least 100,000 people just selling the idea of them having the right and being, you know, the, the, the appropriate people, you know, to be given a chance to actually be on the ballot. So, so, so in terms of the time, in terms of the cost, uh, that it takes for you to be able to get those 6,000 uh, signatures. It's, it's a lot, and, and, and particularly for people, you know, who are, you know, in the disadvantaged areas, uh, and, and, and yet they, they do command a, a, a good number, you know, of people that would want to vote for them or that they would want them to be represented by that individual. You know, so, so I think uh, Chief Justice Zondo, I think has displayed a certain level of naivety here because it's one thing to say to people, hey, I want to get onto the ballot, please assist me. Uh, and another to say, I'm on the ballot. You guys know me, uh, vote for me. You know, So those are two different things. And I think the attitudes of the people may be different, but also you must remember, uh, we are not yet in the election year uh, and you are far, the, the data has not even been pro pronounced yet. You know, so it's much difficult for people to actually be able to secure those signatures uh, compared to uh, mobilizing people to vote for you. I, I still don't get it. I'll tell you why. Because getting 40,000 people to vote for you means if we go with Zaki Ahmad's ratio, 
you'll have to speak to 400,000 people to convince them, right? Versus getting yes. 6,000 people to sign a document for you, you'd have to speak to 100,000 people. That seems to me that if you can't achieve the one, how can we reasonably expect you to achieve the other? Because 40,000 40, votes, meaning you have to speak to, at minimum, let's even be generous, 250,000 people uh, if you're a good, good, uh, if you're a persuasive uh, mobilizer. Um, you know, it, 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 if you complain about the one, we can't reasonably expect you to do, to do well at the other. I, I, I think, yeah, Oliver, for us, part of the practicality, you know, of trying to get these signatures is the fact that let's let's take Bulelano for example uh, if i were to want to run and stand for elections just because of the con uh, of the concord judgment there are a number of people who know me in different provinces who would be happy um to vote for me but for me to get to those individuals to actually get those signatures it's a totally different ball game altogether you mm. know so 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 so, so I think it's one is the practicality. Oh, okay. Two so people, the... so you don't necessarily have to <clears throat> engage people directly on the ground for them to have to vote for you. They can vote for you just by knowing you and trusting you. But to get the signatures, you actively yes. have to engage and invest resources to being on the ground. Is that the Much difference? Much more. Definitely. Ah, okay. And and, 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 and and that's a huge one. That's a huge one. Okay. Look, I... I, and, I, 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 I Sorry, and, yeah. and, and sorry, Oliver, I'm saying even if we're talking a district, for example, let alone a province, um, the district itself, for me to get to all those people, the amount of time it would actually require me. I remember, I think there was a calculation that uh, uh, ICA had done uh, that was to say for a person to actually get 10,000 signatures, you would actually need... Uh, let's say 12 volunteers doing this thing daily and it would take you about six months to get those um i think 10,000 signatures mm, mm. so 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 i'm just saying some of these things we, we, we overlook uh, you know the detail that actually goes into it yeah. um you know and the practicality thereof yeah Lundi, I want to I want to come back to you because um, one of the legal questions that was at the center of this, on part of the court, specifically the legal question around whether this regulation amounts to a limitation, the one bench, one half of the bench on the court argued that it is a deterrent if it's too high, the the signature threshold, but surely even the voting threshold for a seat, forty four thousand, if it were to be that way is also a high threshold to get into parliament itself. How then does a lower threshold for signature become a deterrent in that sense? Um, can you hear me now? Uh, let's go for it. Let's try it. It wasn't yeah. the greatest, but hopefully it holds with us. Okay, sure. So, I mean, I think the first thing is that uh, in order for you to even have a conversation about um, the, getting a seat in parliament and, and that kind of contestation, the first thing you have to do is be able to enter the election. And I think for us, that was part of the major, the major, major conversation, was that if you make the barrier for entrance and for participation simply too high, then, uh, then, we, then, we, then we limit that, right? Uh, and so, I mean, as, as the 
second judgment, uh, you know, uh, seeks to explain, it goes beyond just the regulation and now starts to constitute a limitation. So for us, that's particularly important. People's ability to participate and to even enter the election is particularly important, right? Uh, and So, so even if you don't win, just accessing the constitutional opportunity of contesting is important in and of itself. In and of itself, right? that's particularly important. But also remember, the process of electoral reform is ongoing, right? So the point at which we, and I mean, I think this leads into more conversations about the 200-200 split, and it wasn't a really part of the Rivonia Circle's challenge, but it does lead into that debate, and is that at the point at which uh, we have those uh, those limitations and those barriers, then then we can't even have a debate about a 200-200 split. Yeah. We can't even have a debate about independence being able to participate in, in elections. Yeah. So electoral reform is an ongoing process. And I mean, I think this today was a just but one step. Ooh, in, don't do it. Yeah, I'm gonna have you pause. I'm gonna have to pause you again. There, your line just went back to not cooperating with us. It's breaking quite extensively there in the last ten or so seconds. But that's also where I'm gonna leave the conversation for now. Uh, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Uh, Gogolano Mtambo from the Rivonia Circle. She is the programs director at the Rivonia Circle, uh, and from the New Nation Movement, where all of this really started as far back as 2013, we now learned. Bulelani Mkotlishwa is the executive director there. Thank you so much for your time this evening. I really do appreciate it. Let's take a break. On the other side of this, we speak human trafficking.